1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Trey Young turns it around.
3: I mean, I, I told you I was going to bounce back.
2: But what will it take for the Hawks to turn another corner? Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks Beat Reporter for the AJC. And on today's show, we'll chat about Young unsurprisingly bouncing back in Atlanta's win versus Toronto Saturday after a pretty bad shooting night and their loss to the Bulls Thursday. And we'll also get into where the Hawks stand with just 22 games left in the regular season. As a reminder, if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to subscribe or give the Hawks report a follow on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, even if you're listening to us for like the third or fourth time, but you haven't subscribed, please do that. Please do, because it helps us a lot. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. And we're gonna start, not to start with the negative, but we're just gonna go in chronological order here. And we're gonna talk about that unfortunate loss to the Bulls, which normally, if the Hawks weren't a better position, that probably would not be that big a deal in the sense that it would be somewhat of a somewhat of an acceptable loss, a game you go into saying, okay, Chicago is one of the top teams in the East if we do lose this game. This is a game we're quote unquote expected to lose given how the Bulls are, how the Bulls are playing, given how Demar DeRozan is playing. Um, but given that the Hawks were up three, with about a minute and a half to go, they had fought back. It was a a very bad start for them in this game, and they had fought back very, very well and put themselves in pretty prime position to win that game. Because of that situation, that makes this a pretty pretty dicey loss for them, I would say. That's the kind of game they're going to have to win down the stretch. At this point, any game that is winnable – I guess, you know, coaches would tell you this is the situation from game one. But in reality, when you know where you are and the standings are what they are down the stretch of the season, of course, it's it's important to close out every single win, every single game that's possibly winnable. You have to have to take care of it in crunch time if you're in position to do so. And the the Hawks just couldn't do that. Um, They lost partially because DeMar DeRozan, who's having an amazing season, obviously, Um, he's an all star starter alongside Trey Young. Uh, They lost partially because DeMar DeRozan made some really, really clutch shots down the stretch, had a really big go-ahead, beautiful fadeaway shot. Not beautiful if you're a Hawks fan, but (laughs) beautiful objectively with about, I believe it was about 15 seconds to go. And the Hawks, uh, Nate McMillan talked about the Hawks tried to get two guys on him, but he just came down in transition and, and got that shot off a little too fast for him to, to do much with it. Um, So that's part of the reason why they ended up losing that game. Um, Also, Trey young talked about bouncing back. What he had to bounce back from was going three for 17 from the floor uh, against the bulls, which is obviously uncharacteristic for Trey, like very much. So took some bad shots late not the greatest decisions or, or shots from really the whole team and you it's hard to pile on just Trey because obviously he's the reason why the Hawks are in so many positions that they are in to win Trey gets a lot of credit for that but you know sometimes you're gonna have a bad game and and that criticism is fair and he actually took it I don't know if it's personally but he definitely made a few comments about how you know this is, this is on me. Um, took a lot of accountability there for for having such an off shooting night. Um, Bogey Bogdan Bogdanovich, friend of the podcast, um, had a season high twenty seven points. Danilo Gallinari had twenty six points. So those two guys were sort of holding it down for the Hawks offensively. Bogey had a few. He had a missed three um, late in, in the game. Uh, kind of took an early three there that was maybe ill-advised, um, Danilo Gallinari. They sort of seemed to go away from from Gallo um, in the final minutes, even though he had been cooking. So just unfortunately not a good way to start out the all-star break for the Hawks. Again, typically that would not be, you wouldn't describe losing to one of the top teams in the East as a bad loss, but it's just a tough one because if you're in position to win, the margin of error for the Hawks is so thin right now. It's it's so narrow that any any time that you can, you know, steal a win on the road like that, you, you want to do so. And they just weren't able to weren't able to get it done. Um, so that was their first game out of the All-Star break. And their second game out of the All-Star break, I think people are going to be a little bit more excited to hear about. Um, so talking about some of the positive, the Hawks rebounded with a 127 to 100 really dominant win against the Raptors Saturday. They were 0-2 versus Toronto, entering that game. And they had had some... Those, those were two not great losses to Toronto. And the Hawks rebounded, and Trey Young personally rebounded in a big way. He had 25 points at halftime, set a career high for field goals made in that half with 11. Then he finished with 41 points, tied a career high with 17 field goals. And what was really big for me... I mean, the whole performance was, was sensational. He just was cutting through the Raptors like nobody's business just a a very a very easy 41 points um, for Trey Young in that game but one of the biggest things for me was how efficient he was he was 17 for 24 from the floor Um, he had missed a couple free throws in that loss to Chicago the whole the whole Hawks as as a whole actually missed quite a few free throws in that game and in a close loss that's always gonna kind of come back to bite you Um, what what six from six from the line Uh, against the Raptors. So that was big. Added 11 assists for a double-double, which is nothing out of the ordinary for Trey. Um, He's kind of a a double-double machine when it comes to to scoring and playmaking. Um, So all in all, he had one of his worst games of the season against the Bulls, but he had no doubts that he would get back on track Saturday against Toronto.
3: I told you I was going to bounce back. I didn't have a, a good shooting game in Chicago, obviously. Felt like there's shots that I could have made, but it felt like the legs and things just weren't there. And tonight just focused and coming in back and wanting to bounce back for sure. I like the way, you know, he basically put that game on
0: himself, you know, and, uh, you know, felt that he didn't play well and he knew that he could play better. Uh, It wasn't, you know, one of those games where his shot wasn't falling. I felt that he would come out very aggressive tonight. He did and really established our tempo.
2: So that was Hawks coach Nate McMillan talking about how Trey took some accountability for that Chicago loss. And Trey Young actually said multiple times after that loss uh, in Chicago, and I was there uh, trudging, through the, trudging through the snow um, in that, uh, on that Chicago trip, Trey had actually said multiple times after that loss, you know, I, I feel like I let my teammates down. And, you know, it's tough because, again, Trey does so much to help this team win. And he's a he's a big reason why they're positioned to win when they are uh, in in that position. But it was a rough game for him. And he did have some, you know, some dicey moments late in that game. And and he knew it. And I think there's something there's some it says something when a star, you know, takes accountability like that. Um, So I thought that was really good to see from him. And then obviously it translated to to a big win against Toronto days later um the significance of this game sort of historically um was pretty interesting this was Trey young's 22nd game with 40 plus points and per espn stats and info had a, a cool tidbit that since the nba aba merger so that's the 1976-77 only two players have more 40 plus point performances at age 23 or younger michael jordan with 31 and LeBron James with twenty seven. I don't know if y'all have heard of those two, two guys. Um, but yeah, they're <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good company to be keeping there. And um, Trey talked about that it, kind of being in that company after the game, and he mentioned, you know, like you really never imagine something like that. Um, you dream of it to be in that category, but it's hard to, it, it's hard to like think of stuff like that it's hard to imagine stuff like that kind of when you're going through your day to day, but he did mention, you know, as much as that matters and as, as cool a thing as that is it, he, he kind of brought it back to wins and losses.
3: All the accolades and stats and all that stuff is going to come. Um, but for me, I'm always just focused on my team and just letting the wins happen. Cause if we don't win, none of the stuff matters. Nobody cares about it or especially me. And that's
2: a good point because it does, it does come down to wins and losses and how your team is positioned you know, at the end of the regular season, which is crazy to think about, but it's it's coming up. I, I can't tell. I feel like I say this a few times. Uh, I've said this a few times the past few episodes. I can't tell if, you know, 24 games, 23 games, now it's 22 games left. Can't tell if it sounds like a lot or a little, but when you line it up next to 82 games, it's definitely... Definitely a, a small amount we have left to to work with here. Um, I thought w- one other thing I wanted to play for you guys is Trey talking about how he handled that rough night in that rough shooting night in Chicago.
3: I mean, I didn't even need to watch it again, to be honest with you. I, that was actually one of the couple of games I didn't watch this year. Just because I, I knew I didn't um, just from turnovers and shots that uh, I usually just I just make. I just I wouldn't get into it and. Um, some of my layups I, I just wouldn't get into his body and things I know I, I, I can do and uh, things I did tonight um, I just wasn't doing in the last game so I knew I uh, had to be better for my team and uh, just just try and do that each and every game.
2: It is kind of funny sometimes to hear about how guys handle off games some guys are you know they want to pour over the film some guys want to do that with some games but there are some games where you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't bear to watch that. I've heard John Collins say a few times, like, this is a game you can just throw it straight in the trash can. <laughs> just, just, you know, launch it into the trash can. Um, so I think that to some degree, I think Trey, yes, there were some mistakes down the stretch, but. Um, he had mentioned that night he just kind of was was off. Sometimes your just legs are off. I don't know if it was something coming back from the All-Star break. Obviously, he was a participant in the All-Star game, three-point contest. Um, got a little bit of rest in there toward the end of the All-Star break, but not too much. So it's, it's hard to quantify exactly. Um, but he was just, you know, there's some mistakes here and there. The, there's a bad decision here or there. But he also just was simply off in that game. So I don't blame him for not necessarily wanting to pour over a game where sometimes you just don't have it. Um, but I thought, I, I do think it's interesting sometimes how different guys handle film and, and moving on from, from tough losses and, and tough performances, but he certainly had it versus Toronto. Um, and so did really the whole, the Hawks overall. Um, they had an 18-0 run in the second quarter. They actually were trailing in this game early. And then, Trey continued to get hot. Everybody sort of fed off it. They ended up winning the third quarter 38 to 16. So uh, super duper lopsided. This game got lopsided in a hurry. Um, and as much as it, we all know, though, that this Hawks team, it's not necessarily a shock when this Hawks team does well offensively. They've had a top two offensive rating pretty much all season long. Uh, When Trey Young is your floor general, of course, you're going to have high value, you know, he's going to create offense. He's going to create good shots for teammates. He's also a good scorer himself. So that's not necessarily, um, I mean, it's important to note that, but that's not necessarily a surprise. I think one thing that I did really note in this game is that, um, listen to these numbers, about how the Hawks were doing, how the Hawks had fared against the Raptors defensively from the three point line going into that game, and then how they did in that actual game. So, Toronto shot 50% from Beyond the Arc, 18 for 36, uh, January, 30 fir- January 31st when they beat the Hawks, and then 63%, 17 for 27, February 4th when they beat the Hawks. So, those. They've been dominating. I mean, those are, those are some crazy numbers. Um, And that's, that's a big reason why the Hawks were 0 and 2 against, you know, Toronto entering that game. Those are, that's going to be really hard to win when you give up that many threes to a team. But this time the Hawks limited the Raptors to 31.2% from three point range, 10 for 32. They shot 41.9% themselves, 13 for 31. So, Obviously, much improved numbers there. And I thought that was really important to note. The Hawks have been pretty bad at defending the perimeter or just perimeter defense overall. They've been pretty bad at that all season long. So that was definitely noteworthy, I thought. And here's Nate McMillan explaining how the Hawks' defense shut down the Raptors.
0: We needed to get up and pressure the ball. Uh, I thought we were, uh, you know, kind of back on our heels in our last game. Against Chicago. And, you know, it could have been, you know, just coming off the break. We really didn't have our legs, but I thought tonight uh, we came out and uh, those guys were connected on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, We had pressure on the ball. We had uh, a good weak side uh, defense. I thought our Biggs did a good job of being up on those screens and not allowing these guys to play downhill.
2: All good points from Nate. And yes, definitely a good game from the Hawks. Defensively overall, but also I thought Clint Capella was good. I thought Onyeka Kongwu came off the bench and, and had a great night. Um, DeAndre Hunter, who had been ill game before and only really played about a half um, and, and did not look good in that half, did not look like himself um, against Chicago. Um, DeAndre Hunter was back and I thought looked better. Um, so a good a good rebound performance from the Hawks overall. And I think defensively, this was much needed from them. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
2: Welcome back to the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution I really want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com because it really is what makes all of this possible actually at the game Saturday um, when the Hawks were playing Toronto um, uh, a boy called to me from the stands um, a Hawks a young Hawks fan like a little kid called down to me and said like hey Sarah like I really like the podcast and I it almost like knocked me over. I was so happy that people are enjoying this podcast because that's that's why we do it. It's to bring you guys information and so that you guys have, you know, the info that you want and, and you can enjoy it and hear about, you know, your team. It's really, really important to me that people are enjoying it. So I was like thrilled and really touched that. That moment was <laughs> it was a really, really cool moment. Um, Really, really cool moment for for me and um, I'm just so glad to hear that people are liking it so if you aren't a subscriber you can go to subscribe.ajc.com podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents that's subscribe.ajc.com podcast so you always know what's really going on and yeah just those subscriptions really help fuel us and help us continue to be able to do this so that's so important and we just appreciate you guys so much Um, so moving forward let's talk about sort of the post all-star break situation for the Hawks. Um unfortunately at, at this point it is probably pretty darn unrealistic that the Hawks get to that top 6 seed which would avoid the play-in tournament for them and I know they've said that's a goal. Um and I mean they're you know they're one and one out of the all-star break. I'm not saying that that's, you know, some terrible Like, oh, now they're out of contention because they've gone one and one against Chicago and Toronto, who are obviously both good teams. Chicago is number two in the Eastern Conference standings. They're just one game behind Miami. Those two teams have been neck and neck. And then Toronto is number seven in the East, which is the top play-in tournament spot. The Hawks are number 10, which is the final slot for the play-in tournament. And obviously, number 11 through 15 your season's over once the regular season ends. And that's really, really what the Hawks don't want. Um, but I just think at, at this point with the way Boston is playing, Boston has just been on fire. Um, the Hawks are six games back from Boston and and Boston is the, the number six spot. The Hawks are six games back from them with 22 games left to play. They really could only afford Maybe a handful more of losses. Now that's unless you know Boston. I don't know collapses. Toronto collapses. Brooklyn's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> Brooklyn's struggling pretty pretty big right now. Um. So so there is that. Um. And then Charlotte is number nine. Uh, Brooklyn's the in uh the number eight spot right now. Charlotte's number nine. Um. But a handful of teams would would really have to collapse, and then also the Hawks would have to play lights out, you know, barely any losses in their final 22 games in order to carve out and, and rapidly rise up the standings. Um, I just don't know if I see that happening to the degree it needs to happen in order for them to finish top six. I mean, hey, if it happens, it's not, it's not like it's mathematically impossible, but um, I just think it's it's probably unlikely at this point. Um, And especially the Hawks tough schedule continues, you know, we've talked about how their schedule overall is favorable down the stretch, but they've had some tough ones right out of the All-Star break. Um, So they'll play in Boston Tuesday. I've heard it's going to be about eight degrees. So I'm going to bring going to bring some uh additional supplies with me I was maybe a little bit unprepared in Chicago forgot my gloves uh when I went to shoot around so that was fun uh while you're waiting for someone to unlock the door and your hands are just kind of freezing um so yeah definitely gonna bring like maybe I'll bring like wear two hats on top of each other uh when I go to when I go to Boston to stay warm um they play Chicago again So, again, another tough game against the Bulls, but at least they catch them at home Thursday. And then they're in Washington Friday, second half of a back-to-back. The Wizards have not been good. Um, They actually now are two games behind the Hawks uh, at that 11 spot. So... It's not I'm including them in this tough stretch, mostly just because they're right behind them in the standings. And it's it's a game you definitely don't want to lose when you're just two games ahead of them um, in the standings, obviously. So that's where the Hawks stand. They're at that number 10 spot. um, And the significance of all the play in tournament stuff as far as jockeying for position and, and, and all that is that. So if you're if you're number seven or you're number eight, you'll have two opportunities to win a game and earn a playoff spot. And then if you're number nine or you're number ten, you're gonna have to win you you have to win two consecutive games to earn a playoff spot. So that's the significance of all that. Um so I do think at this point the goal for the Hawks should just should just kind of be um probably I don't know if they'll you know, you probably wouldn't say this maybe publicly or or in an availability with media or anything. I'm not sure. Um, but I think the goal at this point, as opposed to being, OK, we're going to get the sixth spot. I think the goal is probably just. Take away that necessarily and just win it as high a clip as possible and try to position yourself as best as possible when it comes to the play in tournament, because it is a little bit easier on seven and eight than it is on nine and ten. So. That's, I think, where the Hawks are. Um, Twenty-two games left, and I think that I, I think that the Hawks can. I-, I see them being able to position themselves well. They're definitely going to need consistency from Trey Young. He, they obviously mostly kind of go as he goes, and I do think that that game against Toronto a- a- and the way that they were able to defend, holding a team like that to hundred points defending the three-point line better I do think that's encouraging but with the way the Hawks played to start the season you just kind of buried yourself in a little bit of a hole here so they definitely can't afford a losing streak they definitely can't afford many losses at all uh, in these final 22 games so definitely raise your thin margin of error I know I've said that like 30 times but but it's true razor thin margin of error um, so let's keep talking about this situation for the hawks and where they're positioned um and let's bring in producer jay to talk about mailbag segment fun my favorite
1: yes last but not least time for our mailbag segment which uh, we're still uh, working on getting the big band uh, the ajc orchestra with some special theme music for your segment. yeah
2: i put in so many requests they're falling on deaf ears i want an orchestra but yes. apparently that's you, like unrealistic
1: yeah well, it's not unrealistic. This just union stuff takes a while. But anyway, um, <laughs> here's uh, here's the questions. We'll start with Keelan Otto. How do we convince Nate to get teed up every game? Not sure about the numbers, but it sure feels like we always win when he does.
2: Okay, I love this question. I <laughs> oh, I love this question. Um so yes, Nate got a tech earlier in the game uh, against Toronto. And that's what this person is referring to. And it actually like really fired the Hawks up. Like I mentioned, they went on that 18-0 run in the second quarter. It really fired them up. And so I'm actually going to let uh, Trey Young answer
3: this one. I think people just don't understand how big of a, an impact that is. And sometimes when, when guys get texts and when coach gets tech, teched up, it just shows how... how I mean, fired up he is, and uh, it, it gave everybody else on our team a boost. We all saw what was going on out there. Um, we thought the, the tech was, was deserved, and me and Lou were down there talking. We were like, that's gonna get us going. So um, it, it did, it turned it around, and I mean, I mean that's, that's a, a well-earned tech from Nate, for sure.
2: And it really did kind of get them going. Obviously, Trey is not exactly a stranger. To, to getting uh, teed up from time to time, usually for arguing some calls that, you know, he feels are wrong. Um, and sometimes I think he gets a little too into that, but also I think Trey is someone who's really big on intensity, and just like kind of battling like even if it's you know arguing for a call with the refs like I think he wants I think Trey is really kind of wants to see that fire and for Nate Nate's usually pretty you know even keeled he's an old school guy not that he like never you know chirps back at refs or not that he never argues his point of view but I just thought this was a big this was a big example of Nate being like come on man there's no way and I think the guys were feeling the same way and they really did like feed off it so sometimes sometimes you know energy is a little intangible and sometimes it can it can have an effect
1: all right next up from at money b underscore fms he says defensive intensity has picked up a lot since the all-star break do you think it's because everybody's rested or because the playoff race slash atmosphere is back and the games are more exciting
2: you know I think that defensive intensity Um. so when the Hawks won went on that seven game win stretch. I think you really saw defensive intensity pick up. That was when they beat the Bucks on MLK Day and then they all the way through uh, beating the Lakers January 30th. Um, that was that seven game win streak that got him almost back to 500. They're still not there yet. They've been chasing that for a while. Um, so I think that was when you really saw the defensive in- intensity start to pick up. And I think there's a couple reasons why for that. I mean, obviously they've gotten a lot of intensity from, you know, Onyeka Kongwu coming off the bench. DeAndre Hunter has been up and down defensively. I don't think he has fully played to his potential defensively this season, but he does give you a boost just by nature of being a, you know, a big physical wing. Um, I think some of it is that intensity, especially on that win streak. It's uh, like if you go back and listen to that uh our second episode with Bob Rathbun who is the Hawks play-by-play guy for Bali um and he mentioned you know when the Hawks are having when when they're making shots when they're having that success offensively that's when it's it's easier to to pick up on the defensive end when you're making shots on the other end so dating back to that I think that helps them but that's They've also, you know, dropped some few games since then. That's been a few games ago. Um, That's been about, you know, almost a a month ago at this point. Crazy how time flies. Um, So I think that was when some of that started. I I think since the All-Star break, um, I I think that Chicago game, you saw them fight back really well in that game. You saw them, the the offense kind of start to stabilize and they fought back well in that Chicago game. Couldn't get it done. But it was still a close game. It's not like they got blown out or anything like that. And then the Toronto game, they they caught fire making shots and ended up only they they held the Raptors to 100 points, which is which is a big, um, uh, definitely a big feat there. So I think I think part of it is, yes, there's there's a slim margin for error. So of course you're not gonna, you're gonna go into every game with a sort of win. Or it's not win or go home, but it's okay. We we have no, there cannot be any, um, there cannot be any letdown when it comes to energy. You know, at this point, there's there's only 22 games left. Um, so I think some of that is probably a little bit, you know, just the mental intensity picks up because of the slim margin for error. I think part of it is X's and O's, and then yes, I do think part of it is just the the emotion and the mental side of knowing that there can't be any drop-off or else you're going to, I mean, that you could risk not even having a postseason, and that's definitely not something the Hawks want.
1: All right, next up, um, well, we have an actual MVP, at ATL underscore the MVP. Why does it seem like Capella has been jumping a lot better recently? Is he healthier?
2: So if you go back and listen to our Hawks Report episode with friend of the podcast, Hawks Center, Clint Capella. Um, He did mention that he is feeling a little bit better. Started the season with uh, not 100%, got a PRP injection um, in his Achilles. And that definitely has a way of slowing you down. And uh, to start the season, it seemed like Clint wasn't himself, wasn't, you know, getting up for dunks the way he normally does and affecting his finishing around the rim. Um, Still hasn't been perfect in that category, but I do think, you know, he has said he's feeling a little bit better, and I do think you're seeing that translate um, to the court.
1: All right, last questions from Freddie the Mailman King. Do you think DeAndre Hunter can be our number two guy on a championship team, or do we need to trade for a legitimate star in the offseason?
2: Oh, boy. Good... Good question, Freddie, the mailman king. Um, I think that DeAndre Hunter, I, I, I think that DeAndre Hunter does have some star potential. I, I think you've seen him be a little bit up and down this season, obviously missed a lot of time after having wrist surgery. Um, I do think that he can really produce for you when fully healthy and, and fully in rhythm still a younger guy, still a little bit. Um, I still think his game is going to develop. I, I think that you've seen him have major defensive potential. But again, like I said earlier, he's been up and down on that end this season. Um, and, and offensively, he's been up and down as well. I, I just think it's a little bit too early to fully assess that. Um, I think, do we need to trade for a legitimate star in the offseason? season? I mean, I think I think the Hawks are going to look at how they finish this season and make some decisions from there. But I got to say, even if even if they finish quite strong, it's still sort of a step back to go from, you know, I mean, they just it's just a reality that making the Eastern Conference Finals and and winning two games against the eventual champions, um, Milwaukee, in the Eastern Conference Finals is going to set expectations super high. And I do think, you know, even if they, they scrap and and do well in the play in tournament, I mean, they could, they could go on a run, you know, we we don't know. Um, It's too early to say. So it's hard to say exactly what the Hawks need before we see how they finish. I think there are some guys who have some star potential alongside Trey young that I think are still coming along. I think John Collins is one of those guys, depending on how he's, he's utilized and how he's uh, obviously he's, he's hurt right now. So he hasn't been playing. Um, and I think I mean, I do think DeAndre Hunter has some some massive potential, but they've been up and down this season. Um, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say exactly if they need a legitimate second star. You also have to um, and by legitimate, I mean, you know, already a guy who's at that level. Um, I think I'm going to see. But before I say what they need to do in the offseason, I'm going to see how they finish. Um, but is there a situation where I think the Hawks need to go get some defense this offseason? season? I think it's looking that way. I think the more that they struggle defensively, you know, they've had some nice games defensively, but the consistency hasn't been there. And I think the more that they struggle on that end. So it's hard to say, okay, legitimate star, you know, as far as who's going to be available and that kind of thing. Do I see them probably needing to bulk up the defense in the off season? I think probably so. I think this season has kind of showed us that now, what are you going to have to give up to do that? You might have to package some guys, in order to bring in a guy who can help you with that. Um, And, you know, we'll just have to see where they are at that point. But I do think that that is probably a need that they're going to have to address.
1: And that is it. That wraps up our mailbag questions. So please keep them coming.
2: Yes. Yes. Mailbag questions are, mailbag questions are the best, my favorite part of the podcast. So I really appreciate you guys sending those in. Um, All right. So moving forward, um, like we've talked about this tough stretch, it, It keeps going. It doesn't relent. Um, The Hawks will play in Boston Tuesday, the Chicago Thursday, and then they'll play in Washington Friday, second half of a back-to-back. And, you know, there is a pretty – even though the schedule is not the toughest down this stretch for the Hawks, um, it is pretty road-heavy. The Hawks only have, you know, a handful more of home games left. It's pretty road-heavy, which has a way of making – maybe a slightly easier schedule. It has a way of making it tougher because you're traveling so much. So that's one thing to to keep an eye on. Um, we'll be back on Thursday with another special guest episode, which I'm really, really pumped for. So sit tight on that. And remember, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share, listen, all that good stuff. And we'll have another episode for you on Thursday. And just thank you guys again for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing.